bow our heads tonight, we would say, that's my heart's desire tonight, God. Lord, we've gathered in your name on this beautiful Sunday day that we can worship you and love you. Want this light of God to shine on our hearts, Lord Jesus. Turn on the light, Lord, within every situation, every need. You speak deeply, Lord, to our hearts. You've given us a spiritual diet of your word. We're brothers and sisters tonight. Sons and daughters of God. We're another day closer to you coming back for us, Lord. And we want to be ready and we want those around us to be ready. So we're willing to wait and have patience on one another. We're raising children, some grandchildren, some great-grandchildren. We're giving them time, and you must have known there's given a space for us to be ready to meet you, Jesus. And as time has gone on, others have joined us, and some have been born, and they've grown up now. There's always a day and a time that you make yourself known to some heart. Maybe tonight's for a little girl, a little boy, or someone middle-aged or older. We want to have the time for one another, for you to break it down, and for that calmness to come to their heart and them give their lives to you. We don't know who it is. We don't know what day or hour you would speak to somebody, but it, it would be wonderful during a service if we could create an atmosphere for one another that someone that's needy could be touched by you we're remembering brother leonard sister jenny's father in edmonton that was coming our way to be with sister jenny and having this heart problem last week would you strengthen his heart god and encourage him and let him know that his family has served us and served you we know healing is part of our atonement. We receive that tonight for our brother Ken Leonard and for others that are needy. Our brother Tim Dodd coming back from the island and ministering this afternoon there in Victoria. May the word of God be strong and great, Lord, and amongst your people. We give you the service Sunday evening. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you for standing. Romans chapter 7. If we could turn to Romans chapter 7 and then um, 2 Corinthians chapter 11. Just two places, if you don't mind. Romans chapter 7 is a scripture that uh, Brother Branham took for invisible union of the bride of Christ. We'll just turn to that and read that first. Romans 7. Verse 1, Paul was uh, speaking. Romans 7, verse 1. Know you not, brethren, for I speak to them that know the law, how that the law hath dominion over a man as long as he liveth. For the woman which hath an husband is bound by the law to her husband so long as he liveth. But if the husband be dead, she is loosed from the law of her husband. So then if while her husband liveth, she be married to another man, she shall be called an adulteress. 
But if her husband be dead, she is free from that law so that she is no adulteress, though she be married to another man. Wherefore, my brethren, ye also are become dead to the law by the body of Christ, that ye should be married to another, even to him who is raised from the dead, that we should bring forth fruit unto God. I may believe the scripture tonight. Now, Brother Branham, uh, when he was reading this, he said, it seems like it's on marriage and divorce, but it really isn't. To me, it's a prophecy for the church in the last days. So don't just be thinking uh, about just natural, but think about your life in Christ. Verse four could only happen that we be married to another if our first husband is dead. Is that true? That's marriage and divorce. Our first husband's got to be dead before he can be married to another. That life of sin has got to be dead before Christ will marry us. So this is verse 4 that was coming to us. Brother Branham speaking this in invisible union. That we, ye should be married to another, even to him who was raised from the dead, that we should bring forth fruit unto God. For when we were in the flesh... The motions of sins, which were by the law, did work in our members to bring forth fruit unto death. But now are we delivered from the law that being dead, wherein we were held, that we should serve in newness of spirit and not in the oldness of the letter. Amen. Amen. Verse four was what I wanted to draw your attention to, that we would be married to another. Could we go to 2 Corinthians chapter 11? Tonight we're speaking on presented as a chaste virgin. Presented as a chaste virgin. And we're speaking of presented to Christ, presented to his word. And we want to bring this down tonight for on the born again experience and to be filled with the Holy Ghost. I just want everyone to bring your children and your families uh, the service tonight is even you that are have had that experience, but just with an openness that the Holy Spirit would bring that to each heart because it's a genuine experience. And when we look in uh, Paul's teaching in Second Corinthians, verse 11, chapter 11, verse two, he said, for I am jealous over you with a godly jealousy. Paul speaking to the church, for I have espoused you to one husband that I may present you as a chaste virgin to Christ. Paul was speaking that he had brought the word and he had espoused them, not just engaged, but they had been married to one husband that I may present you as a chaste virgin to Christ. But I fear or he was concerned lest by any means or anyhow. As the serpent beguiled Eve through his subtlety or his subtle ways. So your minds should be corrupted from the simplicity that is in Christ. For if he that cometh preacheth another Jesus whom we have not preached. Or if ye receive another spirit which ye have not received or another gospel. Those are Very important things in verse four, another Jesus, another spirit or another gospel. If there would be another spirit that would come even after the year 2000 
and try to bring to the church or to the people any other way to be espoused to Christ than what we've already heard. It's not of God. In fact, he goes on to say, which ye have not accepted, ye might well bear with him. I think in another place he said, let that person be accursed. Let them be accursed. It's not of God. If they would come to you with another way or approach that we're going to be married to Christ outside of a real experience, it's not of God. God bless you. You can have your seats. We turn to verse 2 to get our thought tonight. Uh, I just want to remind you that over the years and as the years have gone by, our children have grown up and uh, our even grandchildren have been born. And we have people that have come in to the message or have come into this great golden way. And we can think that we've heard this before, that we know all about this. But little do we know that our, our little babies grow up to be adolescents. They grow up to be children and young people and even in their 20s. And and uh, I'll use the word as Paul said, verse 3, but I fear, lest by some means that even adults, as time goes on, they just think that they're just going to get into the rapture with any other experience by really being born again and really having a genuine experience of the Holy Ghost. It's a very great need among us. And as we have gone along uh, with the Lord, and I, and I wanted to say this tonight, um, and just thank you as an assembly for uh, the privilege of us being able to raise our, our children in this church and our family in this church. We, we moved uh, back in the year 2000 to raise our children and uh, in this church. So they grew up in this church and they through their teenage years. And uh, by the grace of God, they're here tonight worshiping now as though in their 20s. And so what we're speaking about tonight is this not hearsay or uh, a suggestion, but it's things that really work. The Holy Ghost is a genuine experience and the new birth is something that, that works for the believers. And it's something that we must have for the rapture. And we're going to get into that in just a little bit that God has no grandchildren. He only has sons and daughters. Um, in, in the Thyatiran church age, Brother Branham was speaking and said, the spirit will reveal it to you if you'll just be humble and ask him. So sometimes uh, there's just questions that people might have uh, that pertain to a lot of things in their lives. And this this one statement of Brother Branham really puts it in simplicity. The spirit will reveal it to you. If you'll just be humble and ask him, can we do that tonight? If a person will just be humble and ask the Lord, the spirit will reveal it to you. He said, so it's not complicated. He said, oh, how we make things so complicated. Satan wants to confuse everything and get people's minds muddled up. And do I have the Holy Ghost or am I even born again? And do you know it's not the duty of the preacher to settle that question? It's the duty of the Holy Spirit individually to settle that with the individual. But it's also our part as individuals to wrestle it out with the angel. Wrestle it out ourselves and come to that place. And I just want to be able to relax tonight and speak from my heart. 
Because it doesn't have to just always be in, in a church service where there's an altar call. Right. It doesn't just always have to be when you're in a big crowd and you just raise your hand and say, I believe that whatever they're saying, I just identify with that. It's a genuine experience. It's something that must be manifested that we present ourselves to God and God acknowledges our, our, our faith and fills us with his spirit. It's not complicated. It's very, very simple. And Paul in, in 2 Corinthians 11 and verse 3, he said, I fear lest by any means as the serpent beguiled Eve through his subtility that your mind should be corrupted from the simplicity that is in Christ. I, I believe this needs to be spoken to us all, not for ourselves, but also for those around us. Because we want every person to make it. On a Sunday night, we haven't gathered here for a show. It's summertime. You could have been out on the beach somewhere, been with your family. This is our family. As Brother Ernie experienced this week on Tuesday night and Thursday night, and the family kind of came together and helped move him and got his things moved. The family went into motion. We care about one another. Are you appreciative, Brother Ernie? I'm sure if he could say it publicly, he'd say thank you to everyone. But spiritually, we're concerned. Spiritually, we have a responsibility for one another that we're honest with one another. And that we know it's not complicated, that God will reveal it to our hearts if we'll just be humble. And that's why Jesus thanked the Father. You might remember that in the scripture when he said, Father, I thank thee that thou hast hid these things. From the eyes, and Brother Branham is paraphrasing this, the eyes of the rabbis and the eyes of the bishops and the cardinals and the general overseers and has revealed it to babes such as would learn. That's what you want, Brother Branham said. It's a revelation of God that can only come as he said. And that is our new birth. It's when God comes to us and makes himself known and you receive that. And something happens on the inside. Now, I was struck this week. Um, I was with Brother Tom Ray on his birthday. God bless you, Brother Tom. Happy birthday. And uh, I was privileged to be with the other brothers. Thank you, Sister Joanne, for sharing him for lunchtime. Brother Murphy was there. Brother Tim Dodd was there. Brother Tim Ashong was there. But as Brother Tom was given his testimony, I was challenged. And I was fascinated. I was intrigued. I was spellbound sitting across uh, the table at the Chinese food restaurant hearing Brother Tom's testimony of God dealing with an elder in our church. I just want you to listen real closely. As I heard of his salvation, as I heard of how he received Christ, As I heard about God's patience and God's long suffering with brother Tom Ray and how the testimony of teenagers in a high school could influence a young man to give his heart to Christ. 
But I was thinking as Brother Tom was sharing a lot of how God was dealing with him. And it didn't just happen like that. But it was over even weeks as he came to service. And I think five times, six times, whatever it was. that It wasn't just the first service. But it was at a certain meeting that God was dealing with his heart. But I was thinking, how many in our own church have not heard those things? About Brother Tom's testimony or about how God dealt with him. How many of our children, and this is really what it brought to me. How many of our children or our grandchildren or new ones that have come in in the last years, they have the same hunger, they have the same thirst. They have the same desire for an experience with God that Brother Tom had. But they're just waiting for it to be ignited. I remember as a, a, a boy and teenager growing up in the Branham Tabernacle and coming, of a, coming through those times and hearing Brother Branham's voice and being around the message my whole life. And, but there has to come a time when all the mechanics and all the faithful years and the preaching and the teaching and the labor, all of a sudden the lights come on. It's like the dynamics begin to strike and the wheels start moving. Who knows what I'm talking about? We can sit right in the right atmosphere around the message of the hour, around people that have had a genuine experience themselves. And yet there would be ones right among us that have the same need or the same lack or the same, I'll say need again, because it's the need is for that special little place inside of them to be ignited. And we can't really choose for one another when that day is. We, we can't scream it out of them. We can't force it out of them. We can desire it for them. And we should, I feel, create an atmosphere for one another. But it's God that knows the day that we're going to say yes. But my heart's prayer is that God would soften all of our hearts. That we would be more sensitive to one another. And more sensitive to the needs among us. Because I don't think there's one person here that wants to see another person in this building miss the rapture. I don't even think if you have an enemy or think other people are your enemies that that would be what we wish on any person. And I don't think we have enemies. And, and by the way, no, not everyone is against you. We're for one another. Like, that's why we have church. If we know what God did for us, there ought to be a willingness to reach across, to reach down, or reach up, or reach somewhere and say, God, let that happen to the people around me. And if we've missed the mark, or if we're not hitting the mark, then I believe we need to pray for one another and pray that God brings somebody by the way or let some minister say something that'll reach my teenage daughter or touch my little boy or excuse me for being so open, but the little baby that suckled on your breast isn't a little baby no more. They've grown up now. They're beginning to connect with things. And now they're growing up maybe even an adolescent or teenager. As I had a little 10-year-old girl yesterday that wants to be baptized. I know of at least three that God's dealing with. 
And I asked Brother Michael Ray the question this week, when is the baptismal going to be ready? And, and there's been some delays and things, but the Lord willing, Father's Day or the 16th would be the first Sunday. That's not next Sunday, but the next Sunday. I think those are great times I, to know that God is dealing with hearts in our assembly. And, and you might say that's the first fruits or that's the, that's the water, but we've got to take a step. And then there's others that have taken a step of baptism and they've, and they've, they've been among us or maybe they're around, but they really need a, a further move of God. And it's very evident. It's very evident by how they live and what, what they're allowing or how they're approaching their life that it's very, very dangerous for us to just say, well, to go in the waters of baptism, then that's it. Or come to our church, or as long as you're in our family, when really it goes much deeper than that. So it's not complicated, and we don't want to make it a chemistry exam and a, a you know a scientific equation. It's God coming on the scene. It's a person opening up their heart, whether they're walking down the street tonight, or you witness to them at your work, or whether they're a young person that's raised up among us. There is a predestinated moment. And we don't want to hinder that. It could happen in a service like tonight. It could happen in a camp service. It could happen at your bedside. We just want it to happen. It doesn't matter how it happens. It doesn't matter who's preaching. It doesn't matter who sings that service. Or who's the deacon at their post of duty. Or who's on camera. Or whether the lights go out. It doesn't matter. It's what happens on the inside. It's very important that it happens. And we don't want to so intellectualize everything that we take away the move of the Spirit and the power of God. Neither do we want to make it all just glory, hallelujah, and shouting and people wondering where they stand tomorrow. We don't want that. It's a personal thing. I don't, I'll use the word private, but a private thing could happen publicly where God just comes down and begins to move upon a heart and literally shakes them. And it doesn't matter, and this isn't in my notes, but it is speaking from a burden. It doesn't matter if they speak in tongues, if they laugh, if they cry, if they run the aisles, or if they just stand there and under the impact of the Holy Ghost. I remember in the log church that Sister Linda had played long, Sister Joanne had played long, and I was sitting right over here, probably like right behind where Brother uh, Milko is sitting against the wall, and I was the last one to leave that service. I was 16 years old. And, And if you had asked me when I had my real birth, my word birth, it was in that season. But I had been born in the message. I'd been raised in the message. My father and mother are here tonight and, and I'd been baptized when I was 12 years old, just a month before I was 13. It's just a special moment when the dove of God broods around a person. And maybe he's been brooding around your home and maybe he's been brooding around somebody on your workplace or maybe this afternoon. And you know there's something deeper. You know there's something more. It's not the minister's responsibility to tell you you have the Holy Ghost when you very well likely might not have it. 
Neither it is our, our responsibility to speak in a way that it puts a question mark and a doubt when a person very well may have the Holy Ghost. Do you understand? We're not trying hitting and missing and shooting in the dark. We're seeking to find the mind of the Lord for every service. As the ministers do here. On the diet of the word. And that our children would grow up and our families would grow up and be strong. That's why I moved my family here 19 years ago. Brother Ray. That's why you moved across the oceans. That's why we're together like this. We have a burden to feed off of a diet of the word so that our children and our loved ones and people that would come in maybe single could say they've been with Jesus. Do you desire that? There's no such a thing as message grandchildren. I want you to think about these things. Or grandchildren in the message. There's no such a thing. Now naturally, we have grandparents. We have grandfathers and grandmothers and we have grandchildren. Naturally. But spiritually, there's no, there's not even a category for grandchildren. You're either a son or daughter of God or you're not. And our hearts ought to rejoice and that ought to be something that we're making ourselves available for. Paul was so passionate about this that he said, I want to present you as a chaste virgin. To present means to provide or to present a person for another to see. Or for another to know that other is Christ. That the word would be able to come to present you to Christ. So that in that atmosphere... God can deal with that little spot. Now, I I can look with my eyes, and my eyes are failing. I'm getting older and older, but the Holy Spirit's already working in this service. He's talking to someone. And we don't look with natural eyes. As the person that spoke to me yesterday, that was unexpected that that young person would want to be baptized. But I know of two others that God's been dealing with. And there probably is more. It's very sovereign. When God wants to present to himself a chaste virgin, that means God put his hand on that person. How many thankful for the blood of Jesus that's able to take your past life and say, you never did that. You're a virgin to me. And you might dispute that all night long. But if God is saying, I'm looking beyond your fault, I'm looking beyond your past. If I was you, I would grab that. If there's even an inkling of desire for God in your heart, I would jump all over that. I I would say that must be something inside of me. There are billions of people that do not have the same desire at the level that you have for God. Billions. If you even have a least tug, I wouldn't turn that away. I'd say, where's that coming from? God puts gifts in the church. God puts men and women around you. Because of his love for you. To make it more real. To make it something that is not complex. 
Satan makes it all confusing. And I know what I'm speaking of, where I'm speaking. This is June the 2nd. And we have graduations coming up. And I know how real it is for a young person to come to their lives and come to this very fragile moment and just be able to get launched out into a life. And you better believe it. The world is waiting for you with arms wide open. They are ready to rape you, demoralize you, defile you without shame. Is that true? We live in a world of defilement. And when Satan's done with a young man or a young lady, he just throws you into the corner and you're just another number. He has no care for you. No love for you. And in his heart, he's laughing. Because you're just another number that's going to join him. This is his desire in the lake of fire. Because he already knows the Bible that says it was created for the devil and his angels. So he is grappling and pulling and dragging as many people as he can to that awful place. But I can say the Holy Ghost is here pulling and moving, pressurizing. Can you imagine the pressure of the Holy Spirit coming down the pipe? To present means to bring into one's fellowship or intimacy and to prove them and to appear with them. He'll just come in an unexpected moment in your bedroom, in your car, at school. On the job, on the bus. And I hope he's able to come in the house of God. (laughs) He'll just come to the hearts that are presenting themselves. Now, the word is presenting. Christ is presenting us. It is so wonderful when the individual begins to present themselves. Just as much as the world is waiting for you. The Holy Ghost is waiting for you. Right at this June time when everyone is growing up another year. I speak to the juniors at BCA a lot or the young people. You know, just from August, September, their uniforms begin to get a little smaller and things begin to change. Why? Because they're growing up. They're beginning to understand. It's not just a skit. It's not just a story. It's not just a church service. There's another something moving. It's called the Holy Ghost. And isn't it wonderful when the Lord presents himself every service or every moment. That, but when you begin to recognize and present yourself and say, Lord, here's my life. Isn't that a wonderful thing? Paul said in 2 Corinthians, if you'd like to turn back there, verse Chapter 11, verse 2. I am jealous over you with godly jealousy. 2 Corinthians 11, verse 2. I am jealous means I am zealously affected and I'm passionate over your soul. I'm jealous over you with a godly jealousy. He, He didn't want their money and their attendance. It was a godly jealousy. For I have espoused you to one husband, that's Christ, that I may present you as a chaste virgin. 
That was the intent of the word that I may present you, provide, bring you into his intimacy as a chaste. That means a pure person, a clear person without a spot, without a wrinkle. And today it was so fascinating when I when I saw this word chaste. It actually means an exciting reverence. That's incredible. You'd say, oh, that's so boring or chaste or, oh, it's so holy. or No, no. God is saying it's an exciting reverence. It's like a pulsating something that is there in your heart. It's a reverence. You say, what is fear? Fear on a person. Keep away. Keep away that dove because the dove of God is very gentle. Satan puts fear on the people. But the word of God comes to take that fear, as we heard this morning, off of us. Take that spirit off of us. Put that spirit at bay. Push it back. So that you're in this atmosphere. God presents you to himself. Welcome to the bedroom. We leave the kitchen, we leave the living room where we just talk, we hear the word in the kitchen, we hold hands, we share in the, in the living room. Welcome to the bedroom. Presenting yourself to Christ as a chaste virgin, that is an exciting reverence. It's a sacred something, pure from carnality. Someone that's modest, they're clean, they're holy, they're a saint. I'm bringing you down to something. A chaste virgin is someone that is of a marriageable, a a maiden or a daughter that is marriageable. And, And I'll use the words of Paul from the book of Romans. We've been married to another. But there's no way we could be married to Christ if we have a living husband. Does everyone believe marriage and divorce when he said you can't have two living mates? So the first one had to die. And that's where the problem is. People don't want to die today. They don't want to die out to their old nature. Die out to that old thing. They want to hold on to the good feeling. They want to hold on to the rush. They want to hold on to the something. It's Satan robbing you of a life in Christ. That's why... Gaming is so powerful. That's why sports is so amazing. That's why movies and all the adrenaline rush and all of, all of the perversion things from the internet that Satan's just warring people's minds. It's a voice of perversion. To keep your heart and move it from being a chaste virgin. Because Christ will never come to a womb that's defiled and owned by another husband. He might come all around you. You might cry. You might know you need something. You might have a feeling. But it's more than that. So a virgin is a marriageable maiden or one's marriageable daughters. A lady who has abstained from all uncleanness. That's what a virgin is. She's chastity and one who has kept oneself. And all of us here in these types of things that Paul was saying to present us as a chaste virgin to Christ. In ourselves we would just pull right back because we all know our past. And that's why I just put in my notes. Oh for the blood of Jesus Christ to justify us. 
That's why in the invisible union, it's so powerful when he said, you haven't just been forgiven, you've been justified. Isn't that exciting? Is that exciting to anybody? Does that make you happy? To be like Jesus? To have a romance that's more than just say so? But as the church went on and we see in the Ephesian church age and Revelations 2, 4, that God said, nevertheless, I have somewhat against thee because thou hast left thy first love. That a person can become into an experience with, a, uh, with Christ in the word and even naturally, but they lose that first love. And Brother Branham reads that and then talks about how in every age that history keeps repeating itself. I know this is a familiar, you'll remember this, but he spoke about history repeating in the generations of Israel. We see revival in one generation and to see the fires fading in the next and the third generation embers may be glowing slightly. But in the fourth, there may be no vestige whatsoever of that original flame. Then God lights the fire again and the same process is repeated. It's simply the manifestation of the truth that God has no grandchildren. I need to come back to that because we can get caught up that even in our church or even in the message. I'll call it the message. Because as he talked about uh, from one generation to the next, and now we've gone on generations now within the message. It's very dangerous that every generation loses that original fire. That original power. That original flame. He said salvation is not passed on by natural birth. Any more than it is there is any truth in apostolic secession. It isn't in the word. You start out with truly born again believers. And the next generation comes along. They're no longer just plain Christians. But they've taken a denominational name and are now Baptist, Methodist. That is exactly what they are too. Brother Branham said they are not Christians. I know you're listening really close tonight. But it can happen even with the what, what we call the movement of the message. And I know the message is Christ. It is Christ. Can I say those that follow the message. That it become just another generation Of people, but that original flame isn't there. He said, you have to be born of the will of God and not the will of man to be saved. These folks are all coming together by the will of man. I don't say that some of them aren't right with God. Not for a minute do I say that. But the original fire has died down. They are not the same anymore. I begin to think about the message. That has happened in a lot of places where the original fire has died down. They are not the same anymore. And you can see that even with how they treat one another and in their families. Can I speak openly tonight? As one that's been raised in the message and and our children have been in the message and our grandchildren are now in the message. Let's turn to John chapter 3. We ought to be thankful for the Holy Spirit that protects us. It's like a watchman on the tower. Just waiting, waiting for that little girl that was born in Seattle. 
to come to the age of accountability. Waiting for that boy that was born in Chilliwack. I'm so thankful the rapture didn't happen in 1963. And by making that statement, you say, well, the rapture is the coming of the Lord and He came and all that, Brother John. There will be a translation day. I'm glad He didn't come in 1963. He appeared, but we're looking for His coming. I'm glad He didn't come in 1970 or 1980. Some of you weren't even born. Some weren't serving God. 1990, 2000. Some have only come in the last few years. Thank God for the blood of Jesus Christ that is able to present us to Him, a chaste virgin. And just being born in the message, don't put a special class by your name, a little asterisk, that you're privileged. It ought to mean something to you that have been born that way, that it's a privilege God granted you. But that we don't take it for granted and it just become common to us. God help us from that. Most of your children and those that have been raised do not, do not battle communism. They don't battle Catholicism. But they do battle communism. And they bat, um, communism meaning things just become common. Dad provides, mom provides, church provides, school provides, camp provides. If we're not careful, it can just become an entitled generation. They just expect that. But they themselves have never really wrestled it out and come to a death. And if we're not careful as elders and leaders and parents, we can just pat them on the back and, and create an atmosphere just as long as you stay in the church and as long as you're around and you're a good person, you're going to be accepted. That's not the word of God. John chapter 3, we read here in, in the scriptures, Nicodemus, John 3 verse 1, a man of the Pharisees, Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews, same not came to Jesus by night. Said unto him, Rabbi, we know that thou art a teacher come from God, for no man can do these miracles that thou doest except God be with him. Jesus answered and said unto him, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. That word see means to understand. You can never understand the kingdom of God if there's never been an experience on the inside. I mentioned this at BCA to some of the um, high school students on Tuesday where we're speaking about courtship and we're speaking about relationships in one of their classes. But I just made the point at the opening that before we can speak about relationships and courtships and all of that, the number one thing is having the Holy Ghost. Being born again. You never understand why we do this or why that if you've never been born again. You'll always question. You'll fight against it. You'll rebel against it. That's the old nature. You'll be opposite. You'll be strong-willed. You'll, you'll be passionate to ask why and then you quit. And the world is now elevating education and philosophy so powerful to always question why. Or why. Why do you do that? And the believer walks by faith. And your new birth is a revelation. 
Let's just walk through this. Jesus said, except a man be born again, he cannot understand or see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus saith unto him, how can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter the second time into his mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born of water and of the spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. That's a very important scripture. So you can be born of water. You can be baptized. Yeah, I accepted Jesus. Say you're in. No. And of the spirit. The spirit of God must come to that individual. We cannot trade this for being raised in a message home or going to a message church. Jesus is saying, and if there would be anyone that would preach otherwise, let him be accursed. It's the doctrine of the gospel that a person must be born again. Is everybody understanding tonight? Verse 6, that which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the spirit is spirit. Amen. No matter what their last name is. No matter what your last name is, even in our church phone list, whatever's born of the flesh is flesh. Whatever's born of the spirit is spirit. So for a person to go in the rapture, and I was, I was going to say this later, I'll just say this now. Every person that goes in the rapture will have a true born again experience and be filled with the Holy Ghost oil. Every person. That when the bridegroom calls and the wise go in, they had oil. And it's not saying that the foolish virgin don't have desire and they don't have intent and, and all of that. They, they, they found out, oh, I need oil. I, I'm short of it. Where can I go? And you've got to go. And, and they went. And Brother Branham made the strong point of speaking about that, that it never says they got it. Why? Because now is the, today is the day. Not after the rapture. There will be no Holy Ghost to receive on the earth when the bride leaves the earth. That's the only thing that's holding this whole galaxy in its right orbit is there's a people on the earth that God is presenting as a chaste virgin. And friends, when we leave here, there's going to be chaos here. And if your last name is on the phone list, I'll, I'll use that expression, flesh is flesh. And you've been teaching your children or somehow on the message, you think that just because you're in the house, but you've never had a genuine birth, you're deceived. You won't go in the rapture. You'll, you'll be left here. And that's why we're preaching this way tonight. Is so that no person can say, what? Is this clear to all of our children and parents? That every person that goes in the rapture would have been born again. They would have had the oil of the Holy Ghost. It's the duty of God himself to make that real to the individual. 
Again, I'll say, that's why he brings gifts into the church. Prophets and pastors, teachers, evangelists, apostles. To ignite that seed. Nice to see you, Sister Linda. I didn't see you earlier, but what if Sister Linda, Sister Marilyn, and Sister Joanne were all backslid? Just going to high school, just floating under the radar. Like some in the message, they they go to school in a dress and they put on pants at school. They act all the good part and goody do shoes and out there in front of everybody, but underneath... There's a lot of horrible things going on. God would have never allowed these seeds to have been attracted. They were attracted to something. And as the years go by, I have the same question. Is the same level of connectivity among us years later? Even in our message school. Even in our colleges and universities. Do we have that same connection that if there's a seed anywhere around us, They're going to want the word. What is our testimony? Brother Branham uh, in the Revelation of Jesus Christ series speaks about this. God has no grandchildren. No, sir. We've got Methodist grandchildren, Baptist grandchildren, Pentecostal grandchildren. But God don't have any. Your sons and daughters. Any sons and daughters of God out there? Somebody here with the Holy Ghost. You ought to be all of this up saying, God, fill us again then. Say, I'm looking around the room. No, you know, say, God, fill my cup, Lord. And let it just get on somebody else. Somebody that's wondering or questioning. And I'll go as far to say this. Somebody that raised their hand, but you don't have it. And in your heart, you know there's... You just wonder, how is this all coming together? It's not the duty of the ministry to figure out everything for you. It's the Holy Ghost that comes on a person. I would say, if he's asking you to receive the Holy Ghost, just receive it. Say, but I've already got it. Well, we could use a good double portion. I'd love to drive that devil right out of here and just, hallelujah, just seal every person. We need services like this. People live in the shadows. They live under the haunts of Satan's demonic powers thinking they're okay. And this is amazing. They're so religious and they know how to talk and how to kind of move and how to manipulate. That's a demon spirit. Manipulation is not an attribute of the Holy Ghost. It'll get on the male person. And it's still perverted. It'll try to manipulate things around them and for their good. And, and they themselves are not being controlled by the Holy Ghost. It'll get on a female and they'll become dominating. They'll become controlling. And they're out of their place. When the Holy Ghost on a female always wants to be in submission. But Brother Branham says that in the Thigh Tower Church Age. Talking about how the female would rise up and have an iron disposition. And Brother Bradham called it an antichrist spirit. I have the notes right here. It's an antichrist spirit to want to rise up and assert authority. It's the Holy Ghost in a female to be submissive. Then he goes on to talk about her nature. That it won't just be a dog or a cat. 
is a motherly instinct to want to mother a child. So you see young ladies that, that come past that time of, and I'm just going to be honest, they come into their late teens and 20s and, and without getting married. That love will go towards something. And if we're not careful, it's something perverted. It'll go into a dog or a cat or a poodle or whatever. It's a perversion. It ought to be the Holy Ghost moving on them. And I'll say this. If you're married and can't have children, there's a lot of young people that God could use your instincts. It got a little quiet there. But there are people in the message that for whatever reason, God has not blessed their womb or blessed. And they have been so faithful. To be effective in our church and in the body of Christ. And I've been to other churches. I'm thinking of one right now of a couple. The brother was a deacon and and they're leaders and they could not have children. They're always involved with the young people. Always having people over. Why? That's the Holy Ghost on them. That if God has not given them a certain area of blessing in their life, they're just going to bless anyway. And I just heard yesterday of someone that was going through that, a young couple, and and they adopted a child and then God blessed them with a child. I'm not encouraging you to adopt a child. But Brother Bradham did talk about that. He's speaking about now uh, this thought of Baptist grandchildren, Pentecostal grandchildren, but God don't have any. You're sons and daughters of God. You can't come in on your mammy or your daddy. Because they were good men and women. You've got to pay the same price they did. I'm going to read that again. You can't come in on your mammy or your daddy because they were good men and women. You've got to pay the same price they did. We don't see a lot of that today. Of people being willing to pay the price if I've got to stand alone. It's almost like this generation has been fed so much of media and likes and they've got to be this and that. It's almost like they shy away from making a stand for Christ. I encourage you tonight. You stand on the experience God has given you. Don't be ashamed of the gospel. I wish somebody would shout out a hearty hallelujah. You'd have stood alone or made a stand for Christ. It needs to be bred into the new generation. You are a son of God. You are a daughter of God. But then let them go out from that relationship and pay their own price. You can't break the egg for them. You say, oh, I think they're coming. I think they're coming. Then get a whole thing. I think they're coming. No, they've got to break through themselves. They're going to need that strength down the road. Oh, I think you got it. Oh, I think you're wonderful. That's nonsense. I think we should encourage one another. I hope I'm not being misunderstood. But if someone clearly is manifesting the nature of the old husband, it is honest and right to say, that's not far enough. Let's go all the way. You can do this. But there must be a revelation that you've got to go this far. You've got to go to the new birth. Just being in a message family is not a safe enough haven. I pray God put fire in my bones right now. Maybe we should go to that on the screen. Brother Frey. This is a question that has been brought up. And Brother Branham answers it in 1964. 
He answers this question after the opening of the seven seals. And he answers this question after all four of the token messages. He preached twice in 1963, the token. In, in September and then in um, November 1963 on the token in Shreveport. Then he preached it in 1964, the token in February in California. Then in March, he preaches it again four times. He preached token before he answers this question. It might surprise some of you where we're going with this, but just hang in here. It might surprise you. They asked the question, dear brother Branham, will all the sons and daughters of true born again believers be saved? He said, no, brother, no, they sure won't. See, as I copied David Duplissy's on this remark, God don't have grandchildren, just sons and daughters. See, they'll have to be born just exactly like their father and mother was born of the Spirit. See, that's what makes a man a new person is because he's born again, reborn. Can I use the words of Jesus? I I think we stopped there in John 3, but Jesus said, ye must be born again. Can you excuse me for... Ye must be born again. Now, Brother Branham, let's, let's go to this scripture in Acts chapter 16. Because he's just going to refer to this scripture in Acts. Oh, he said, Brother John, this has been read before. This has been preached on before. But thank God for the night. The lights came on in your life. Thank God for the day when somebody went down a certain pathway and somebody else thought they were meddling. But little did they know it was the hands of the one that had crafted the violin that had took the bow. Hallelujah. He took that and began to say things in such a way that it came to the heart. And one person was wanting to get out of there. And another person was so gripped. Another person was so convicted. Let's look here in Acts 16. Verse 25. Acts 16. Let's go visit a jail cell. Where Paul and... Silas were praying in verse 25, Acts 16, 25 at midnight, Paul and Silas prayed and sang praises unto God and the prisoners heard them. And suddenly there was a great earthquake so that the foundations of the prison were shaken and immediately all the doors were open and everyone's bands were loosed. Praise God. And the keeper of the prison awakening out of his sleep, seeing the prison doors open, he drew out his sword And would have killed himself. Supposing that the prisoners had been fled. But Paul cried with a loud voice saying. Do thyself no harm. For we are all here. Then he called for a light. This is the jailer now. He's just getting ready to commit suicide. Little did he know. He was a seed of God. This is how far someone can go. That's a seed of God. Before the lights come on. Thank God you weren't like Judas and went out and hung yourself. 
You're like Peter. You cursed and swore and said, I don't even know these people. And God had mercy. And the lights came on. You said, oh, I'm the littlest one among us. It's like if there was a little mouse hole over here, I'd crawl in that. That's how little Peter felt. God giving him the keys to the kingdom. Say, come on, Peter. You're a son of God. He's like, man, I denied. I cursed. God help me. But the lights came on. Watch this. He cried with a loud voice. Verse 28. Do thyself no harm. We all all hear. And he called for a light and sprang in and came trembling and fell down before Paul and Silas and brought them out. Now I want you to watch these next few verses and brought them out and said, sirs. What must I do to be saved? If you go to the Acts chapter 2, they ask the same question. What can we do to be saved? And he didn't start saying, stop smoking, stop drinking, stop looking at this, stop listening to that. No, 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 it's not stopping that, it's getting God. Get God in your life and he'll push out all that. Say, I'm waiting to be a good person. I really am waiting to be a good person. Then, no, no, you're going about it opposite. Ask God to cut away that old nature. Just take that out of my life. Okay, sirs, what must I do to be saved? Verse 31, and they said, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. And thou shalt be saved and thy house. And they spake unto him the word of the Lord unto all that were in his house. And he took them the same hour of the night and washed their stripes and was baptized, comma, he and all his, comma, straightways. And when he had brought them into his house, he set meat before them and rejoiced, believing in God. What does the next part say? With all his house. In other words, all that were in his house received Christ. They believed. They believed. They were baptized. Can we bring it right up to our day? What can we do to be saved? Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. And thou shalt be saved and thy house. Oh, you say, well, if everybody that's in our house or in our church, they're going to be saved. No, that's not what he's saying. You watch what happens when the word of the Lord begins to come. Verse two, and they spake unto him the word of the Lord and to all that were in his house. They were listening. They were listening to the word. And when the word began to come, they were presented the word. They didn't reject it. They didn't say, you're crazy. We're happy to be Romans. We're happy. We're not going to be baptized. No, that's not what they said. Verse 33. He took them the same hour of the night and washed their stripes and was baptized. He and all his. Meaning those that were in the house believed on the Lord and were baptized. Amen. And when he had brought them into his house, he set meat before them and rejoiced, believing in God with all his house. 
So that's the question. Brother Branham, will all sons and daughters of true born again believers be saved? He says, no, brother, no, they sure won't. And he goes on to talk about this. They'll have to be born just exactly like their father and mother was born of the spirit. That's what makes a man a new creature is when he's born again, reborn. Now stay with this. There's a lot of misunderstanding about this. But this is 1964, after the seals, after the token, Brother Branham's bringing the truth of this. His first birth brings him a natural man on earth. His second birth brings him a spiritual man of heaven. See, it changes him, his soul. Not his outward conscience, his outward being, his senses. He still feels and smell and taste and hear. But his inward parts, his desires, what motivates him has been changed to God. Hallelujah. Lord, may that happen for all of us. Watch this. Now remember, continuing on, the only way that this could happen would be this. Just like it was in the time of the Roman centurion. Paul told the Roman, him and Silas, when he wanted to pull his sword and kill himself. Talking about the jailer. Because God had shook the jail down with an earthquake. He said, do thyself no harm, seeing we're all here, rise. And wanted to know what he could do. He said, this is my final slide. Rise and be baptized, calling on the name of the Lord, and thou and thy house shall be saved. In other words, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. Thou and thy house shall be saved. Now how? This is a good question. How? If your house believes in the same way that you believe, you pray and commit your children to God and hold on to God, believing that they will be saved. I've just went through the experience with my Rebecca. See, just commit it to God. Somehow people in the message have failed to believe that just because someone's in your house, that they're going in the rapture. That's not true doctrine. They must be saved, filled with the Holy Ghost, born again to go in the rapture. Now, if you want to bring in token and you and your house shall be saved and all of our offspring with us, they can be saved. But there's a difference between saved and going in the rapture. I hope you're spiritual tonight. All those that go in the rapture will have the Holy Ghost. There will be not one person that God allows into the rapture that's not born again. How can he do that and reject other people? Just because your name and let's go down the phone list. I'll include my name. Andy's. Has nothing to do with your great grandfather was a believer. Your grandpa's a believer. Your dad's a believer. Has nothing to do with that. I'm thankful for all of that. But there'll come a time that you become accountable. That God holds you as an individual. That on that day of the rapture, when it comes across like a magnet, only those that have the Holy Ghost are going to leave here. No matter what your last name is. Who your grandpa is. Who your auntie is. Amen. It's very, very dangerous. When we start creating some sort of false economy. False atmosphere. 
That as long as you're in our church, you're okay. And as long as you're in our family, every individual has got to know they've got to be changed. Marvel not that I say unto thee, ye must be born again. It's a requirement for the rapture. You can take that off, brother. Now, who believes that God is a healer of the soul, spirit, and body? I don't want to leave you hanging here. Say, oh, brother John, you're just dealing with soul, soul, soul. There was a lady that come not long ago in Phoenix. Brother Branham was talking about this lady. This is a powerful testimony of a lady that her, her boy was an exterminator. And Brother Branham was talking about how he was in Dallas and how that they were having like a prayer line, like a fast line. Not one that he would discern their heart, but just cut. they were coming through quickly. And she come through the line and she had her handkerchief up like this. And trying to hold my coat. So now she's coming through the line, but, but she's embarrassed and she's trying to hold the coat of the prophet. They were having a fast line. She was holding my coat. And I thought she was weeping. And I took a hold of her hand. And there was a great big cancer started to hit. And I could hear it. It makes a funny kind of noise. You know in the first pull he would take them by the hand. And he would know the secrets of their heart. And he begins to make, uh, Brother Branham illustrates. It makes a funny sound of, ooh, ooh, like a hitting like that. And I held her hand and I said, sister, do you know that you have cancer? She's just holding her handkerchief like this, trying to hold on. And do you know that you have cancer? She dropped her handkerchief down and her nose was eaten off. She said, yes, sir. Maybe she's just holding it like this, embarrassed. That her nose had been all eaten off. I've been treated at Memphis, Tennessee for a long time and my doctors give me up. She was a lady of about 38 or 40 years old. Brother Branham said, I said, do you believe? She said, Reverend Branham said, ever since I've heard your meetings, I've always said if I could just attract your attention to get you to know that I want you to ask God for me to be healed, that I get well. Amen. Some of us need to come to that place spiritually. I don't want to go out on a limb here, but sometimes Satan will come in in a very desperate case. And a person get nasty and rude and belligerent against all those around them that God put there to help them. They start pushing them away. And if you can't get them, what's that? they'll start hitting them like, I'm talking spiritually now. Dads, moms, deacon, preachers, counselors, whoever, teachers. And if we're not careful, we'll drive that timid spirit away that God was trying to bring your healing. Here is an attitude of someone that was in a horrible, desperate, embarrassing case. And she said, I believe. I believe. I've heard about the meetings and if I could just attract your attention. Sometimes we get so embarrassed because of our situation. We don't want nobody to know. 
then somebody starts to know or starts to spill out and we get double embarrassed. We start to harden our hearts up. That's exactly what Satan wants you to do. God's here to break that tonight. Just break that spirit. Don't go off on a tangent. Is God still working? He's embarrassed. She is embarrassed. And I just want to ask God to you if I can be healed. I said, bless your heart, sister. God will surely reward you for that. And one night, two or three months after that, here come a young fella running up through the building. He said, Brother Branham, he asked me if I knew this lady that had him by his arm. And I said, no, I don't believe I do. It was his young mother. And she wasn't only healed, she had her nose. I know some of you have a complex about your nose, but if it got started all eaten up, you'd be embarrassed. But if God gave you back another nose, you wouldn't care what nobody thought. And it's true. We don't thank God enough for our health. We don't thank God enough for things in our lives till we lose it. Don't wait till then, friends. God's given us so many blessings. God's given us so many blessings. Undeserving is what we are. We ought to thank Him and love Him and reach out to Him and want all that He has for us. Just pull it down, pull it in. Drink in, push out, drink in, just drink it all in. This might be the only sanity we have till Wednesday night. Some have criticized our church. They asked us when we moved here in 1988, well, do they play tapes at that church? I said, I don't know if they play tapes at that church because they love Brother Branham. They want him to play, play the tapes all the time. I love Brother Branham. He should be played. I play him every day of my life. But it doesn't mean all the time we have to play them in the house of God. That's where the preaching goes for. We've been laying in the word all week. Invisible union, choosing of the bride, one after the other. I was listening to this message The hour is come when this testimony so gripped my heart. A nose came back on a young mother. She believed. Young man, who is that on your arm? That's my mother. Do you recognize her? No, I don't. It was his mother and she wasn't only healed, she had her nose. And so she said, when it started... She's talking about going back to that night when Brother Branham prayed. It quit hurting that very night. And said that one morning when she got up and looked, she had a cloth over it in the mirror. Why her children were excited and everything. The flesh was growing back. And she didn't only have a healed nose, but another nose that growed out to where the one had been eaten. You ever wondered how God's going to restore back your children? He's going to grow it out there. It shows whether a man or woman has real faith is when they hang on to it. Some of us need that tenacity. Whether I don't feel it, I don't see it, God's put it in his word, I'm hanging on to it.
I don't want to hurt anyone's feelings, but it shows that many times a person's faith isn't at the place it ought to be. When we lose faith and we lose heart and we look at the symptoms and we need God to increase our faith and fill me with a double portion of the Holy Ghost to go after that person that maybe lacks the Holy Ghost. That's not the time to get in a bicker and ticker and fight and a fuss and a feud. We don't win this spiritual battle with carnal warfare. Can't raise your voice loud enough. You can't take out the Bible and quote enough and swing and be all animated. It's going to take the Holy Spirit to reach out and present and say, Lord, we have a need. But if you just think everything's okay and you're very aware God's brought it to your attention, things aren't the way they ought to be, that little warning buzzer. Is very important. Brother Branham, I was listening to a message going home this afternoon. It was choosing of the bride. In closing, he said, I'm weeping teardrops of warning. Teardrops of warning. And you might have looked at him and said, where's your smile? Where's your happy face? Where? It's teardrops of warning. And I understand by people that's been at that service choosing of the bride when Brother Branham made that call at the inn. 50% of the congregation was at the altar and 50% left the building. I, I would rather throw myself at the mercies of God. If I didn't understand it, if I didn't even believe it, but I said, God, something's happening here. Put me in the right place. I'm glad, Brother Daniel Florent, that when you wanted to leave the tent that day, that God turned you around and put you at the front. You all know that testimony, right? And I could tell a little boy, Brother Aaron McGarry's son, at camp this year. This is the young man that was walking out of his chair, walking up the aisle to leave. And before he knew it, he had turned around and he was at the altar. This is the man. Like, wow, that boy's eyes got this big. Wow. Those are the kind of heroes we need. Not Stephen Curry and all the NBA stars and the Toronto Raptors. When Brother Tom was speaking about that this morning, that's exactly what Canada's doing. Everybody's wearing their little hats because they want to identify. Friends, we're not American, Canadian, Russian, Chinese. We are sons and daughters of God. And our passport might show one nationality, but I trust our soul is pulsating. I'm from another place. And we need to strip away from our vocabulary message grandchildren. There won't be any of them make it in the rapture. And they can't be talked to that way. You're okay. When very much so in their hearts are raging more and they need answers. They, they need the Holy Spirit to say, it's okay. Praise God. This lady got a new nose back. I, I breached over from the soul right back to the body to let you know that God cares. And she went on to testify to her doctor. And Brother Branham said, now listen to this. She went to testify and said, don't you remember me? 
And he said, yes, but what happened? I said, well, I changed doctors. And he said, well, who's doctoring you now? She said, I'm doctoring with Dr. Jesus. I said, you know what the doctor asked her? Think of this, he said. He said, I don't believe I've ever heard of him. Where's his practice at? Where is he practicing at? She said, in glory. My friend, don't be ashamed of the gospel. It's not, well, that's what our church believes, that women don't cut their hair. Said, why don't you wear pants? Because the Bible says. It's not my daddy, our preacher. That's secondhand religion. That's grandfatherly stuff. You know, grandfathers don't want to give spankings to the children. They want to have them come over and grandmothers come on over to the house, have a great time, and then send them back to mom and dad. That's a grandfatherly kind of nature. Even when they see things that should be, and oh man, where's that coming from? Send them home to mom, send them home to daddy. They don't want to give them correction. But in the house of God, I pray we never grow up so long in the message that that kind of grandfatherly attitude is the controlling force. When there are children, young people, even adults, I'm finding. They've never come to a rest of that experience in their soul. It's amazing. Oh, I want to be part of that doctor, don't you? As we close tonight, I want to bring this in about pressure. Because Brother Branham said, I just had an accident. He's talking in Spokane, Washington. And he said, you can see scars all over my face where I was shooting a rifle somebody gave me and it blowed up in my face. A big Weatherby Magnum, about 6,800 pounds of pressure, steel striking through my face and my eyes. It's a wonder I've even got my eyes. It was God's grace or even my head and shoulders. But they said, are you listening? What the matter was, was that the gun was leaking pressure. It had been a converted gun that had been made it over, not a regular Weatherby Magnum, but a Winchester that had been converted into a Weatherby Magnum. Oh, he said, I always wanted one, but I never could think I could afford one. And I wouldn't let none of my friends buy such. They're expensive. And he said, you know, I hunt big game world over Africa, India, Alaska, everywhere. And I do a lot of target shooting. I'm trying to bring this in close. Speaking about pressure. Because we live in a time of pressure. We live in a time of pressure. He's given a natural illustration of something that was under pressure that blew up. And he said, I do a lot of target shooting and I was testing this gun that somebody had made over. He's talking about the Weatherby Manufacturer, He didn't make it right. Somehow it blew back. Instead of going out, it blew back and all the mechanism just melted in my hands. And the barrel flew out over the 50-yard line and the scope and pieces struck off of trees. And the stock went about 25, 30 yards behind me, what was left of it. And I was just standing there, just bleeding and blood flying every way. All I seen was a red fire go about as high as that ceiling there. And that's all I remembered for a second or two. He said, well, I got a sermon out of it. He said, see that gun by being converted into something that it wasn't. They had built up the pressure. 
Instead of blowing the bullet that way, it blew the mechanism this way. He said, that, here's his sermon. Are you ready for it? That's the same way it happens when a man comes to God and just shakes a preacher's hand. Just shake the preacher's hand. Or something. So it's something that's not real. It's not the genuine. They didn't get the real experience. It's like something blowing up. It just happens when a man comes to God and just shakes a preacher's hand or something. And don't go back and die out and be born again. He said if that gun would have started from the beginning. And from the beginning. And Weatherby's dies. And had been made a Weatherby rifle, it would have never blowed up. Because it would have been a Weatherby rifle, their same kind of steel made in their dies and everything, and come out into the regular rifle that it should be. But being that it was something else, we had a lot of people that something else. And just not only converted, but was perverted into something. And that's what made it blow up. He said, that's the way we find ourselves along the road. We find so many things. People just can't stand the pressure of being a Christian. is because they've never really died out to self. And been reborn again. And made from the dies of God to stand the load. The pressure that comes against a real Christian. We're all under pressure tonight. But that's the reason some... Cannot bear the pressure and they blow up. They walk away from God. They they make a decision. I'm going to the world. Because that's the easy road. It's the easier way. I think I'm preaching to a church tonight full of people that's chosen the harder way. I feel good about that. Harder way. But he said, you try to walk with a real saint of God and find that pressure hit against you like that. You'll blow up and be back where you was to begin with. If you've been born again and really filled with God's spirit, then you're pressurized by God to stand the pressure that the world can put against it like that. But it must be that first. Don't judge the person for blowing up. Just let it be a check. That you've got to go further. You've got to be pressurized further. You can't just be somehow twisted and made over and just something that, oh, I, I'm, I'm a good person, brother John, and I'm going to go in the rapture. And when the rapture comes, you're left here. Don't be so shocked. God's given us faithful ministers. God's told, spoken by the word of God and put it in its correct place. We all must have that experience ourselves. And as our musicians come and we pray tonight, I pray that our children, our grandchildren, and all those that come in in the last maybe months and years, that that hunger and thirst for God would be ignited in their souls. I pray that every elect seed and those that are ordained to eternal life would believe the word of God. Not halfway, but all the way. Let's bow our heads together. Hallelujah, hallelujah. 
Oh God, let the character of Christ be built up in our lives. Hallelujah. Just as they're coming and starting to play that song, Shine on me, shine on me. Let the light on from my lighthouse shine on me. Brother Branham's one of his last messages, just as we bow our heads, he was praying at the end of the service. Dear God, we thank you that we've had our spiritual diet. We thank you, Lord, that the vitamin of the word grows sons of God. It does not affect on any other type of character, only on sons and daughters of God. So we thank you for it. And we pray, God, that we will profit therewith. That we will not only thank thee, we thank you for it, but may we use the strength by love to persuade people to believe in our God. The wayward, the sinners, the women, the men, the boys, the girls in this age. Seeing, Lord, that the mental condition, the nervous age that the people's living in. Brother Branham's just praying this to the Lord. The mental condition, the nervous age that the people's living in. It's driving them out of their mind. To fulfill what the scripture said and promised. The great hideous things would come upon the earth like locusts. To haunt the women that cut their hair. They'll have long hair like a woman. Talking about those locusts that's going to have long hair. Different hideous sights that they'll be able to see, Lord. And that mental deluded conditions they're in. And screaming for the rocks and the mountains. Women who would mother dogs and cats and not raise children to honor you. Those that you did give children to and they did conceive them. And turn them loose on the streets to do as they want. No wonder you said, Lord, when you are going to the cross, then they'll begin to cry for the rocks and the mountains to fall on them. And our last thing to share with Branham's invisible union message, he said, notice this character. When you see women just on the rampage, just doing anything they want to do, Watch, the church is doing the same thing. That's on the negative. But here's the positive. But watch when the spiritual bride, when she begins to have a revival, when she begins to come back and line herself up with the word of God, watch then again how the scriptures at that time, there'll be a message sweep out. To catch that bride. To catch that elected lady. I say Lord present us tonight a chaste virgin. Who tonight with every head bowed would lift up your hand and say I want to be part of that number. Presented to Christ as a chaste virgin. With my garments are clean. My robe is white. It's covering everything. I don't want any question, Lord. I don't want to have any doubts. It's not complicated. It's just a person opening up their heart and the Spirit will reveal it to you if you'll just be humble and ask. 
How many will just humble yourself and say, God, I'm asking you tonight. Reveal your will to my heart, Jesus. Make us like those sisters of old, those brothers. What attracted our brother Tom Ray that's sitting on the platform tonight, but back in his teens and 20s? What was it that turned that man, turned his heart to where he could kneel down and grab a hold of a little chair in a living room of a house? It was because he saw character. Character. I want that kind of character. And I would say if it's been lost somewhere over the generations, that we are in the final generation, that there is to be a people rise up on the earth, people like you and me, a generation that receives the promise that would say, Lord, I want that rapture. I want to put my name in. I want to be serious and sober. Maybe God's talking to one of our little children tonight, one of our little girls or little boys. Maybe it's in your family. Maybe it's one of our teenagers or someone in their 20s. We had visitors here this morning. I don't know if we have visitors tonight. The Holy Spirit still speaks to hearts. He still moves. I love that song by our Filipino brothers. I just love situations that seem like they're out of control. And God says, I've got it all in control. Could you tonight as a person give that situation to God? Maybe there's a question in your heart. You'd like to say, God, reveal it to me. I want to learn to humble myself. I want to learn to be able to learn from somebody else. I don't think there's one person here that has the Holy Ghost that has an attitude of I've got it all together and it's me and look to me and I'm the big one. No, I think if those that have the Holy Ghost here are trying to humble themselves, trying to say, God, what can we do? What could we speak, Lord? But would you move out across? Do something for that family. It just seemed like there's such a hardening, such a hardening happening, such a lack of response. I trust we're like Abraham that would say, God, could you do something for them? Could you cause something to happen? As we heard this last week in one home that, friends, when the Lord begins to shake things up, it might not always be pretty. There might some things get happening and under pressure and maybe the blood's flying. And, but it brought a sermon to Brother Branham. It brought a sermon for him to speak to us and say, make sure under pressure that you've had that genuine die cast in your life. And don't be found naked. I trust everyone here that has a home to go home to tonight. has a place that you work or go to school or but there's needs spiritual needs and there's physical needs 
That's why I would speak about a nose and you speak about a soul condition. And you speak about pressure in someone's spirit. And it just seems like there's so pressure, pressure, pressure. And a good person can get so pushed into a corner. That they begin to do things that it's not really them. And the people around them need to be sensitive to that. Any of the ministers know that in the last months and years, there's been more and more and more of that kind of pressure on the believers. We deal with it. We're pressurized. We need to have it for one another. Give strength to one another. Give courage to one another. You are a son of God. You are a daughter of God. I think we should encourage one another, pat one another on the back. I I think that's good. But I think we need to be honest sometimes too with one another. Say, have you considered this? Have you really looked at this? Would you shine on me? Shine on me.
think you know that to walk like Jesus. To walk like Jesus. To talk like Jesus. Oh, to talk like Jesus. On earth I long. create a nose. He can create a desire. Believe that. He can create a missing limb. He can create joy. He can put it back in your heart to try again. Say, I, I, I've been in this for a long time. Or, you know, I've heard this from people that have left the message, left the church. You say, I feel so condemned all the time. You always make us feel so condemned. It's because a person gets on the wrong side. They, they're hearing things on the negative side. Come over on the positive. You hear a message like choosing of the bride, invisible union. Some of those words, marriage and divorce. You know, Brother Branham, Brother Murphy Wong, excuse me, mentioned that last Sunday, I think. So Sunday afternoon, Monday, I was listening to marriage and divorce. Those are strong messages. But a believer, when they're drinking in the word, it's not condemning us. I'll just say this in a word of encouragement. But if in your heart, if you always feel like everything's condemning and putting down and I'm never good enough and I'm never meeting the grade, you need to come over on the positive. Hear the same message, the same word, but now you're receiving it. You're thanking God for it. Now instead of saying, my mom, my dad, the teachers, the preachers, they're all this. Now you're saying, thank God for a teacher. Thank God for a preacher. You're walking down the aisle with a mother that's got her nose back. And before you're always out of food this and your nose this and your hair that and your dress that. But now, because God's brought you through some things. You're thankful to have a mother. Because there's other people in the church that don't have a godly mother. There's other people that don't have a nose. There's other churches in the message tonight that don't have a pastor. And they would die to have a pastor. So we can get so nitpicky and against and where are they coming from and trying to figure it out and they got an agenda when none of that's true. It's just God and his love gifts coming from another angle, coming from another. And we can all get that way in our daily life. God help us. And if you've been going down that road, it's time to come back to the middle of the road and ask God to give you a balance. Start seeing things through God's perspective. Heavenly Father, it's for a Sunday of June. We're able to be together tonight. Different ones will be going. 
tonight, back to the last few days of school, maybe, or university or college. Some are going to a job. Some have lost their jobs in the last couple weeks. They've lost their jobs. They're struggling financially. Others have heard diagnosis. Others have been to doctors and they've said certain things. And in their heart, they believe, Lord. They trust you. We want to stand with them. We want to stand with brothers and sisters and those that are discouraged and those that are weak. I pray tonight for those without the Holy Ghost that you would fill them with the Holy Ghost. Those that have never been born again, that you would bring them in and cause the circle to be bigger, Lord. Cause those that have the Holy Ghost to have it confirmed in their heart. As our brother Tom stands on the platform tonight, an elder, but I was thinking, how many other brother Toms do we have in the congregation? How many other young ladies are there? How many young people are in our church that need that flame ignited? Need the power of God to strike them in their mechanics and maybe they have it all laid out there, but they're just ready for the dynamics. Heavenly Father, I believe that you're doing something sovereign among us. And we want to be ready for it. We want to be prepared for it. I believe the groundwork has been laid just right. Whatever you're going to do in the future, whatever you have for us tonight, if some maybe a person might not make it to Wednesday night, their card might be called. I trust that enough's been said today in their hearts. Maybe their last thoughts or their last words Lord we don't even need to know about it but you can work behind closed doors you can work behind their skin down inside of that little button in their soul I pray somehow some way in some moment of time that the goodness of God would move within their life Bring them to repentance. Lord, forgive us for if we've been longer than we should have been. Said something that wasn't right. I pray for every life here and every family as we ponder and leave. Jesus, as we go home in the sun setting, another day has gone by in our lives. Another Sunday. Bless the congregation and bless the families and individuals. This week, Lord Jesus, forgive us from the past if we've been wrong. Help us to have a fresh new start and go forward in the name of God. We commit all of these souls to you in Jesus Christ's name. Amen. 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 God bless you. Love somebody next to you and you're dismissed. Have a wonderful week.